This episode is dedicated to the memory of Barnaby Webber. They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Good morning, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd, and joining me this morning... It is bright and early, nine o'clock on Saturday in the Roloff Fandom Herba Pavilion. I've got Dan Kingdom, Harry Everett, the voice of cricket on BBC Radio, Somerset, Anthony Gibson, and the unofficial nemesis of Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. <laughs> Great to have you on, uh, Don Topley, uh, former Essex bowler and commentator. Don, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, Thank you. I'll, I'll take nemesis. I think that's quite <laughs> creditable. Great stuff. It was uh, great fun listening to you, you and uh, Anthony back and forth in over the last week. I suppose we, should we start with uh, with the championship going down at Chelmsford? We'll, uh, uh, we'll get that one out of the way. Um, I mean, you said on commentary a few times, Don, that the key to winning a championship game is bowling the opposition out cheaply once. Uh, generally, when you do that, uh, and that's what Essex managed to do, uh, and, and that's what happened. Yeah. Um, look. Uh, it was a used wicket. It was used in the second team T20 and a Sunrisers game. So it wasn't bright and fresh. In fact, I did a video on a bright and fresh wicket adjacent, a little bit over to the pavilion. Did it. They all laughed at me and they said, you've chosen the wrong wicket. And there were no stumps out. And they moved it across to the shoes one. I had to do the video again. But um, listen, it was an important toss. It really was. Uh, look, we, we know tosses are important, but whoever batted first batted on the best part of that wicket. And it just got a little trickier, perhaps each innings. Essex batted really well. Somerset bowled very well. But Somerset, as I came back on day four, I had a day off on day three, saw Anthony. And Anthony was quite cock-a-hoop because in that first hour or a bit longer on day four, Somerset never lost a wicket. And and we're looking good. We're looking quite set. But then it happened and Harmer got involved and Seamus got involved and gradually, um, gradually Somerset capitulated and it was all over what? near to lunch after lunch yeah they took not the extra (laughs) half hour but the extra 20 odd minutes that you can uh when a team's eight or nine down just before a break uh yeah that last morning rue and uh abel seem to be be going on serenely uh simon harmer uh got uh, james rue caught at slip tom abel uh caught uh snick behind um just uh after the second new ball was taken and then Casey Aldridge went the ball after and it was pretty much a procession from there. Uh, Dan, you were there. It was always going to be hard. Always going to be hard. Dan, you were there for a few days, weren't you, down at Chelmsford? Just day one. Just day one? What, have you got a job or something? (laughs) Funnily enough, I do. Funnily enough, (laughs) I have to maximise the weekend cricket I go to. uh, It's a good job. There's plenty of it coming up in the rest of the season. (laughs) Um... But yeah, I mean, on that day, I thought we, you know, we we bowled reasonably well. But obviously, Alistair Cook is obviously a very good batter, and he always does well against us. Uh, Matt Critchley as well is obviously in great form at the moment. Um, so you know, yeah, we did what we could. Um, I think, you know, I think Aldridge and Davy were perhaps not quite at their best. I think Davy, I think I'm a bit worried about him in the championship at the moment. Like he's definitely. Um, you know, gone down uh, a few notches since uh, 2020, 2021. You know, it was really at its peak then, wasn't he? But he's not quite been the same since. Um, so that, that's a shame. And I think Bashir bowled well. That was, I think, that was a positive from the match, wasn't it? In general, I think he's uh, and in the last games he's played as well. Um, so, so that's good. Um, but yeah, overall, it was at the end of the day. I was thinking, you know, with. It's going to be a real struggle to to get a result out of this game, and we know Essex obviously at Chelmsford are very very strong. They've really won there once since the start of 2019, so it was always going to be tough tough to win. Um, and obviously, it wasn't a complete flat one like it was last year, so the draw was always going to be uh, difficult as well. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, just talk about Young Bashir. I mean, match figure, well, what did he get? One for 124 in the first innings, none for 58 in the second. But Gibbo, I think we can all agree that he bowled better than those figures suggest. Yeah, I thought he bowled very nicely, flighted the ball well, varied his pace, didn't get much turn, although he did get a couple to turn in to uh, Alistair Cook in his very first over, which is a bit of a feather in his cap. And uh, I spoke to him at the end of uh, close of play on that uh, on that day. And very nice, uh, well-spoken, pleasant young man he is, is too. But um, he's not the immediate answer to some of Somerset's problems, which can be summarised, I think, with the batting lacks depth and the bowling lacks bite. Apart from Overton and, and Henry, the backup backup bowling is is frankly not good enough. And uh, as with in T20 cricket, if you get rid of the first four or five Somerset batsmen, there isn't much depth left there because Gregory hasn't been getting runs. He wasn't, he wasn't obviously playing at chance. But Craig Overton, I don't know quite what's happened to his batting. Casey Aldridge, I think, is rather flattered to... Uh, to deceive, and then you've got Josh Davy and oh, well, um, his hundred. His hundred up at uh, up at Lancashire was <laughs> it was reminiscent of Gooch in '91 against the West Indians. <laughs> George yeah. Bell bowled again this week. Do you see that? Oh, did it? Yes, it did. Got wicket. Got him oh. Yeah, oh, wicket. But <laughs> um, I'd say, you know, we didn't have much luck with one or two of the umpiring decisions, um, to put it mildly, and one or two of them were pretty shocking, and that, and that to both sides, I would say. Not it wasn't just Somerset who got who got um, dodgy uh, decisions. But um, Tom Abel, when I spoke to him at the end, he said, "Well, you know, Essex were the best side we were outplayed. It's fair enough." And I think that that just about summarises it. Yeah, I mean, Harry, you watched a, a lot of it as well. What, what were your thoughts on? Uh... Yeah, I was glued to the stream all week. To be honest, I I thought. I thought Craig Bush. Yeah, I'm sure over here. Shit, I was going to say he. he you're right. He, he bowled Bashir well. For a I, well. I was, was going to go on Craig, and I thought I'd start with Bashir. So, <laughs> if we could combine them both, if you could bowl Ospin at Craig's pace, that'd be phenomenal, <laughs> wouldn't it? But um, no, I think yeah, we were talking about Bashir last night. That I think he's going to be more of a championship bowler than a T20 bowler. I think he's not much of a fielder or a bat as well. So I think you can get away with that in in the championship, the Red Bull <laughs> game. I think that will be where he finds. Yeah, he's going to be head of Roller Fandom Urban now, I think, um, as that second spinner when Leeds is away or injured. So that was promising. I don't think there's much else to say, really, that we're not going to go into the, the shocking ankle, boot, short leg, Nick Brown again. But um, that's that's one that uh, Somerset fans well, can I, I spoke to Tom for a while. lunch on Thursday. He said that the, the Essex team came out and apologised uh, about that. So, yeah, fair play to him. Yeah. I think one thing to just say about that incident is that um, on Twitter, obviously, the only video that was put on Twitter that I saw was the slow motion version. And let's just not forget the umpires didn't get to see it in slow motion. And if you look at it sped up, it is much more difficult to tell that it bounced. Yeah. I mean, it was a poor decision, but it wasn't as easy to tell what happened um, at, at normal speed. So I think it's got a better Twitter doesn't tell you everything yet. No, replay on the yeah, YouTube and watch it. It wasn't the decision as such. It was the way that, that he then consulted... Um, David Mills then, then consulted Nigel Long at square leg. And Nigel Long hadn't the faintest idea what had happened because he was... Can see. <laughs> Nick Brown was between him and, and the, the edge of his boot. And then, you know, when you've asked your colleague and, he's, and Nick, uh, Nigel Long would have said, well, I didn't see it. And then to give the batsman out, just it just seemed to be, you know, there was obviously doubt there. Otherwise, he wouldn't have spoken well, to us. Unless, well, I don't know. Unless, unless he was just played devil's advocate here. Unless he was thinking, well, I think it's out. I'm going to ask my colleague if if he's seen a reason why he shouldn't give it out. Well, I maybe guess. that's the only thing. I, I both think. both umpires were blinded, as as yes. Gibbo has just said. Square leg umpire was blinded by Brown himself, but Dixon, I think it was, got in the way as he backed up. Um, from Milnes, so Milnes couldn't see, and I think I, I can remember an incident back in my day that uh, I got a bit of a telling off, or I got told I I did the umpire, and the umpire said you did me, and I think that would have occurred, and I think as as, as we've heard that the Essex boys apologised. Look, they did it within good faith of 
the umpire's got to make the decision. They weren't a hundred percent sure. Maybe in retrospect, and of course, oh, even counting, I'll just take issue no, with that. The way that they all yeah, charged they, off and hugged each other was the only one open. who may have seen it. The only one who may have seen and, and not been uh, blinded by anything was perhaps Harmer. Everyone else may around the back could have been blinded. Don't the forget. point fielder could probably have seen, couldn't they? Yeah, possibly. Um, but I, I do think um, I, I said to Gibbo on commentary later. I said I, I do believe the umpire David Milnes, who doesn't take a back backward step at any time and any decision, would have gone up to Harmon and said, "You've done me there." And look, it wasn't nice. And in in real time, and of course we don't often have the benefit. Even county cricket has the benefit of TV, but we in our Essex uh, potting shed. We struggle with the with the streaming. Unfortunately, it's not the greatest. And um, in live, I thought it must have come off his boot and gone up. That was my initial reaction from 60, 70 metres away. Um, so I regret it, and I think it's terribly sad. But unfortunately, it unfortunately Somerset Road one. Maybe it was a directive from the ECB. <laughs> I'm only joking. Anyway, we won't go on about conspiracies. Um, you mentioned Sean Dixon uh, there, uh, just who would have been blocking the umpire's view, uh, backing up. We talk about Dixon now. Uh, doubled, probably even trebled his uh, his tally of championship runs for this season, combining a very nice uh, unbeaten 82, carrying his bat in Somerset's first innings of 167 all out. Got the 18 he needed to complete a match 100. If, you, if that is a stat, Dan, I don't know if you compile those or not. And also a very smart piece of fielding uh, to run out Matt Critchley going for the, for the fourth. So do you, uh, And adding that to the, the scores that he's been getting in, in the T20, do you think we, he's finally shaken off those early season blues and uh, the world is now his lobster? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think it, I'd, it'd be human if I was Sean Dixon running out of partners, not just the 100, but just some sensible batting to get Somerset to... To better score to get him in the game, there were some pretty poor shots down the lower order, and he was set and he was going nicely, and just needed someone to stay with him. But I, yeah, I've, I've liked Dixon all along. I know he struggled in the championship at the start, but he's gone in and got runs in the twos. He's got a few T20 runs in the twos and now in the first team. Was a little bit unlucky with that run out last night, going for a misfield, and a little bit suspect with the Sam Curran elbow on the stumps. Um, but we won't go into another decision. So yeah, and I think positive on Sean Dixon. Oh, I haven't seen that on replay. The Sam Curran. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that that one in a minute. Uh, yeah, Gibbo, are you? Uh, what's your thoughts on, on Dixon? Just looked good, didn't he? Well, he batted very well, um, and he's another one. I'm. I finally got the chance to interview him after he carried him. <laughs> first time this this see the first time I'd actually met him. Uh, and he's, you know, it's very nice, very nice well, chat. I know that's and the, that was the main focus of his uh, his disappointment over the last few games. He's been coming home, you know, throwing his car keys down, going, "I still haven't got to speak to Gibbo." <laughs> but it clearly meant a lot to him, I think, to have, uh, you know, finally have stood up and showed what a good player he is, because um, he's, he, you know, he's a good, good team man, and he's been trying his heart out and just not getting it quite right. So I felt very, very happy for him, and he batted very well. And it was disappointing that he got out cheaply in the in the second innings, um, caught caught a rather soft catch uh, in the covers. To um, not quite sure what he was trying to do, but um, yeah, you know, I'm still not convinced by Lamanby and Dixon as an opening partner. <coughs> well, Lamanby batted Lamanby batted very well in the. Um, in the second innings, he batted as well as I've seen him. Well, I don't know since sometime last season when, when he got that hundred with um, Tom Abel against against Northampton. But um, yeah, it, uh, Dixon. Yeah, I, I think he's you know he's he's secured his place for the next few games. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Talking about iffy shots, then Lamanby and Cola uh, Casmore in the first innings. Lamanby's had a kind of a nondescript flap at a, at a ball that was slightly short of a length outside his off stump and, and TKC decided he was going to take on three boundary riding fielders to uh, the longest 
probably one of the longest boundaries uh, in county cricket because the pitch at Chelmsford was right over one side of the square. So it was almost a one quarter, three quarter um, arrangement there. Um, various people defending him on Twitter saying that's the way he plays. But yeah. I'm I'm more of the opinion that you still have to play the percentages when you are going to be aggressive. Don, you're nodding, you're agreeing. Talk about the demise of another Somerset batsman with gusto then. Come on. Um, listen, I think he's a terrific cricketer uh, and it will make a huge impact for Somerset. But I thought it was a little careless. Uh, I'm being diplomatic with that huge boundary. It was MC, MCG distance on that leg side to the pavilion. And Harmer tossed it up and he took him on. And, uh, um, you know, you just mentioned about your spinners. Uh, and I think Dixon, Alistair Cook and Dominic Sibley simply haven't got that baseball memo yet. But what I found, Dixon was terrific to watch and showed tremendous guts. Maybe Cola Cadmort didn't, but... Just going back to your spinner situation, which I learnt about Bashir, and looked all the part on the four days when he bowled, you needed, Somerset needed Somerset. that fighting spirit from someone like Roland van der Merwe. You know, you discount him, it's not the future. I don't think I've ever discounted Roland. Well, Roland could be probably yeah. 70 and he'll still be up sorry, to it. I, he, he, you know, I've gone off a little bit of a tangent, but um, that... I, I love that fighting spirit. You need it. You need those sort of unglamorous fighters in your team. And Somerset needed him because, you know, some of those dismissals were poor and created pressure and the problems for Somerset in that game. So, you know, Cola Cadmore, terrific cricketer, is gonna be is gonna be a bit of a legend for you guys, I, I do believe in time. But at Chelmsford, he let you down. I think I I think I love Roller Fund and Merva, love his spirit, love his field and love his white ball cricket. I just think the way he darts in and fires in now doesn't really look for turn. I think in a four day pitch when you're bowling for ages, I think Bashir trying to get it up there, flight guy will turn it probably would have suited better. And sadly Roloff's not done a lot with the bat this year. Since his miracle at Bristol, even last night he, he got a chance a little bit higher up at last, but just doesn't look quite right with the bat this year, doesn't look in form, not having any chances. I agree with you, Harry. That's exactly what I was going to say. I'd, I'd, I'd back his inclusion if he was in any sort of form with the bat, but he's not, in, in all honesty. I don't, I don't think he would strengthen the side. I'd, I'd rather see Lewis Goldsworthy come back in when he's fit. He got injured at the wrong time, didn't he? Yeah, he did. You know, I, I really, he really deserves a chance, does Goldsworthy. He's injured now, is he, Lewis? Yeah, yeah, he injured he's got a rib pretty... injury. It's it's quite quiet, but it's it appeared on on a preview um, saying that yeah he's got a rib injury. Um, just one more point about Rolf as well. I think because from September he's on a white ball only deal. I think he was in the squad for Chelmsford, but I think we're just prioritising looking to the future with Bashir. You know, getting him in now. Um, and yeah, as we said, he bowled well, so um, don't have too much. The, the the other equation, interesting one, when you talk about batting. Banton, another another chap who I quite like, um, and I think it was Anthony said somewhere on Twitter or out of, outside of the Essex Somerset game, if you don't use him, you could lose him, and uh, uh, that would concern me because you don't want to lose someone like Tom Banton. Yeah, quite right. He, he's a bizarre one, Banton, because he couldn't buy a run for in club cricket, St Andrews. He couldn't get any runs in the twos, kept failing. And then first game of the blast, he came into runs and he's pretty much got in pretty much every blast game. Done well and looked good. Um, you know, he is a quality player and we want to get him in the team, but he was just in no form before the blast. But yeah, having got runs at Chelsea like last two year. in the two second 11 warm ups, like literally yeah. like two days before the, the first game against Hampshire, didn't he? He was. Yeah, it didn't look like he didn't know which end of the bat to hold, but just came good. He was, he's got a plan, man, so you have to bowl to him now because you just bowl him two good length balls on off stump, opening up, and he'll sort of go, oh, oh, and then he'll just go, ah, sod it, and then just reverse it over for six. First two bounds would be behind the wicket, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark Davis reckons he's changed his technique a bit. There's more top hand in it now, and he's playing the offside shots much better this season than he did last and I you know I think he's he is good enough to thrive in red ball cricket 
but he'll thrive with somebody else if he doesn't get a game soon. Yeah, I think he might be picked ahead of George Bartlett anytime soon, to be honest. Especially if yeah. Bill's where he's out for a couple of with weeks. This, with this 1st of June deadline date, you'll find that, like Dan Lawrence, you will find they're already in discussions with their agents and counties. The 1st of June was the old 1st of August. And uh, I'm afraid people will be changing counties or going on loan. And there'll be a lot more happening before the end that's, of this month. That's just if you're in the last year of your contract, though, isn't it? You Correct. Banton, yeah. Banton isn't. He's on. I'm just loading up my spreadsheet. He's got one, one more year. One more year. I don't. You don't need a spreadsheet. Dan will tell you. Yeah, I think uh, it is only who we got out of contract this year. So uh, Bashir, oh Bashir, signed an extension, hasn't he? What's he now here till 2025? Yeah. Yeah, two years. Yeah, so Aldridge, Bartler, Umid, Lewis Gregory, still not announcing a, an extension for that one, which is getting slightly concerning. Uh, Steve Davis and Jack Brooks. Are... And Andy Umid lost his uh, record this week, didn't he? Dom Sibley took his slowest 100 record away from him. <laughs> yeah. I think Andy Umid will go, to be honest. I don't think he'll get another contract, yeah, if I'm being brutally honest. He's not really done enough in the play for the seconds, has he? I think he's... If he's got, if he's not getting a game when both openers are struggling, then he's not going to go to the game, is he? No, exactly. And I think I would. The only thing that might save him though is if if Davis goes, and I, I to be honest, I think Davis is very likely to be released at the end of the year. We we will yeah. need a backup opener, so maybe that will save him. They might shoehorn Goldsworthy or Banton, or no, I wouldn't have thought I Bartlett, could, but I could see that happening as well. Yeah. Ruse the one, get Rudo open, give Banton the gloves. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. Listen, um, don't disagree. You don't want to lose Banton. No. We definitely don't. Uh, yeah, Dan Lawrence is off to Surrey. That was a little bit unexpected, given that Surrey don't seem to have many holes uh, in, in their championship batting line. I mean, it's not immediately obvious that he'll even get a game, but I suppose he... Mm. He will. He's the next, obviously, the next cab off the rank in terms of the England batting lineup. I mean, he's a reserve batter in the Ashes squad, so you thought he would have get picked, but it's ahead of who. It, 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 there was rumours around for a little while, um, and look, sorry, obviously you've got London waiting or whatever you call it these days, but sorry, don't offer huge, huge, huge salaries. Be honest. Um, um, but um, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise that it happened now, and a lot of Essex are very anti now, saying he shouldn't he shouldn't play again. But um, do, do, how can I say this? Dan's fa future father-in-law is the chief executive at Essex, so um, oh, well, that's got to be on the dinner table at Christmas. I would have thought so, and of course he does <laughs> captain like Tom Abel. He's Tom's captaining the, is it the Welsh Fire? Dan Lawrence does already, he's already been selected as the captain of the London Spirit. Um, because I, I do believe in the 100, they want some younger captains, younger British captains, UK captains. Um, so look, yeah, disappointing for Essex. But uh, am I surprised? I think he wants to play in front of a huge crowd on a good surface uh, where he knows he can get runs. And it's a great stadium is it's not a county ground it's a stadium and it fills up quite regularly so it's a very special place I think that's 19 players of international caps now on the Surrey books is, that all? is it <laughs> but yeah I, I agree with Shep that it sounds daft he might struggle to get in the best side Jamie Smith's quality I think he's going to be a serious yes. serious hand. him Ben Folk, Sibley Burns Tom Latham coming at three there's always going to be an overseas batting there it was Amla this currently it's Tom Latham so to get into that top five is pretty hard to break into if folks isn't going to play for England and Smith's just improving and improving. You don't really want to bring Dan Lawrence in at six or below. It seems a bit daft. Um, I've probably forgotten someone else. You know, all the all-rounders can bat high. I think he's there to, uh, when when you lose Pope, Pope won't play too much, will he? Yeah. So he replaces Pope initially. Maybe Dan Lawrence is a bit lucky to be involved in the England setup just at the moment. Yeah, agreed. Quite lucky. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Right, anything more on Essex then before we move on 
We've got two more defeats to talk about yet, which is, I think this is a record talking about three defeats in one in one podcast. But we have got a, a glorious victory to talk about against that lot from up the road. Should we start there then? No, let's start. Let's do it sequentially in order. Uh, Hampshire then uh, narrow loss down at the Aegeus Bowl. Uh, Will Smead returning to form, fifty-two uh, from thirty-two in that chase, which we really did cock up. Yeah, again. Well, not again. That was really the first time we cocked up again last night. But it was that Hampshire game that rather set the tone. You know, we were we were ahead of the game at, at the halfway stage, and then the middle order just fell away. It's uh, and if you know if the top four don't get runs, or when the top four are out, then Somerset really struggle. Well, yeah, Lamanby, yeah. you don't want to put it all on on one guy's shoulders, but at that crucial time when the you know, the the chase was just boiling up nicely uh he just looked stuck eight off of 14 balls he kind of looked like he didn't really know whether to, to stick or twist and he ended up just trying to i don't know it was it was just frustrating he just couldn't just couldn't seem to execute okay it's that situation, isn't it of not knowing whether to get the other guy on strike or try and hit a boundary because you think right okay i'll try and hit a boundary i'll back myself swing miss oh crap okay i'll try again okay swing miss oh Okay, I'll try and dodge a single. And then, you know, that might go straight to a fielder. And suddenly, you face three dot balls. And in a pressure situation, the required run rate is going up and up and up. So, it's... I felt I felt really bad for him. But, it's, unfortunately, it's not the first time this year, is it? It was Sussex at Hove when he also had a similar innings. And, obviously, this innings at Hampshire has um, resulted in him being dropped from the T20 side, um, which is a shame for him. You know, we know he can do it in T20 cricket. He's, you know, the innings in 2021 against Lancashire and Gloucestershire are obviously absolutely incredible. So he'll be back. Um, just needs obviously a bit of time just to work on a few things, I guess. And obviously he did look a much he looked a much better player opening against Essex. Obviously the yeah. uh, opening start is not going to be open regularly for him because we've got Smead and Banton. But he looked a much freer player in the yeah. power play, didn't he? So you never know. Maybe one day he'll you know that will become his position um, depending on how things play out. Yeah, I agree with that. He did look class. So my only slight caveat is I think Nathan Ellis is underrated. I think he's honestly one of the best T Twenty bowls in the world. We've seen it in a big bash. Four overs, one for 26. Class with his slower balls and just doesn't give much away. I mean, even John Turner coming in on debut, ex-university lad who hadn't played much at this level, was, was pretty miserly with the ball. They they are a decent ball. He bowled really well, Turner. I don't know how we yeah. let him slip through our fingers, but, uh, you know, he looked he really looked the part. Yeah, he had con- contacts with the coaches from school back in, back in Africa, actually. So. Yeah, I mean, look at some of that, the... The bowling figures of those uh, Hampshire seamers towards the back end of that uh, that innings. I mean, yeah, the Turner bowled his four overs, two for thirty. Uh, Ellis uh, four overs, one wicket for twenty six, and uh, Dawson as well only went for seven and over across his four. So they just put the squeeze on at the right time, and we didn't really have an answer to it, which is big field as well. Gs bowl. I feel like we struggle on bigger fields. We're not quite used to it. The dimensions a bit more Australian esque. Probably suits Nathan Ellis. We're used to our short boundaries whacking it around Taunton well GS Bowl's got a test match now in a couple of years and the Ashes but um, yeah it's a slightly different game I suppose yeah I think you're absolutely right about the uh, size of the boundaries down at the GS Bowl and they used to have going back years they've always had two or three spinners who bowl their allocation and it's a different game playing um, on those big boundaries the Oval have incorporated it for a couple of seasons as well in their successful T20 side. Um, when you play at Chelmsford, Hove, Taunton, entirely different game on T20 cricket on those uh, on those boundaries, definitely. Yeah. Moving on then to last Friday. This is going to be the highlight of the show now. So uh, <laughs> everybody put to your uh, best bim and tucker on. Here we go. Uh, victory over the Gloucesters by 80 runs. Will Smead once again avoiding a jug by getting himself out in the 90s, but uh, 94 off 35. Uh, superb effort. I think his best, probably his best innings for Somerset. I know he's got in the 90s before, but this one was just a, seemed to be at a different level. Uh, TKC 30 off 15, 231 for four. And then, yeah, skittling the Gloucesters out for 151. Josh Davey taking three wickets and three for, for Shoa Bashir and Roloff van der Merwe. so good to see the, the spinners doing the business up there at whatever that whatever it's called now 
Not Neville Into... Road, it's not the bright side. See, yeah, you see unique seat stadium. Unique the stadium. Seat unique stadium. Yeah. I never know if it's seat unique or say at unique. That's it's, what seat. Yeah. it's seat. Well, <laughs> it's seat. It's a ticket company. It, it, <laughs> Usually, to get tickets for concerts and other events the and things like that. Up at Durham's called the Seat Unique Stadium as well. So how can you have That's two unique Riverside? How can you have two yes. unique stadiums? Well, you've got. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Exactly. <laughs> no, branding is this. everywhere. There's so many county grounds now. Seat Unique. Somerset's one of the only grounds without Seat Unique branding around the ground. I, I said I don't think I've seen it in, in Taunton. Uh, Not yet. It'll probably. Yeah. Now, go back to the spinners. Um, I thought well worth point making is Jack Taylor and Tom Smith have been Gloucester spinners for years in T20 cricket, and a lot of their success has been built around them bowling at the Neville Road ground, we'll call it. Um, and the fact that they, well, we only got two overs from Smith and an over from Taylor going for 18, both of them going 18 and over. I think that was crucial. Um, you know, you think Smith whacks them over mid wicket. That you know, I think some of us had this targeted concerted effort to whack the spinners. Zafar Gahar was. You know, still expensive. Getting two for forty-four for his four. He's a, he's a class above the other two. You'd probably say the overseas, but I think that was massive. And then you look at it, and then roll off and show Bashir getting the wickets. Maybe we outbowled their spinners. I guess you'd probably say from that. It was a pretty weak Gloucestershire side, though, wasn't it? Yeah. If if we'd lost to them, it would have, it would have been very very poor indeed. Charles um, Charlesworth looked good though, didn't he? A young lad. Yeah. He, yes. He, he was he was okay. And and David Payne. You know, is is still an absolute class act and, and bowled very very well at, at the top. But uh, they were missing, I don't know, half a dozen players through injury and various other things, and they weren't. They're not the strongest side in the country in the first place. So, yeah, it was it was a good win, but it was a bit bloodless in all honesty. Have you seen damage by injury? Or well, you know, last year all the loans, didn't they? Well, yeah. year always seem to have injured bowlers. Yeah. They haven't had much luck at all, Borough Gloucester, mm. this, this season, what with their first game being completely rained off in the Championship. Tell me, do a lot of Somerset fans go to that game? Yes. Yeah. I went, yeah. there was quite a few there. Yeah. Big crowd, yeah. capacity crowd? Yeah, I think it was sold out. Yeah, it was sold out. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible it was, crowd. It was interesting, actually, because, oh, okay. yeah, not, not, I'm not a fan of it. It's interesting because um, the seats were all full, but there's a lot of people standing. There must be a lot of people. They must sell more tickets than there are seats. And a lot of people must go expecting to stand. They're, they're standing in front of the beer tent, basically. So it's obviously easy access to, to the beers. But yeah, I found that interesting. Canterbury, I think, is similar as well. It seems a lot of people who stand around the ground. That bit by the car park's got like a big standing area where they put the beer tent, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, that was, yeah that's where it was. Yeah, we were standing. Did we use, we we didn't really have we that used to do a standing ticket, did we? Sure. Anybody knows, let me know. Um, right, so moving then on to well, less anything, uh, anything more about the Gloucester's game. I'll be honest, it feels like it was about six months ago. There's a reason why we do these every week, so I can remember what the bloody hell's going on. So it is fresh in the memory, though. Uh, defeat at home to uh, Surrey last night. Uh, Will Jack's anchor in Surrey's uh, total of 195 for nine. They're 80 for one at halfway, so 115 runs in the last 10 overs. Uh, Matt Henry expensive, went for 54 in his four overs, but most of those, what was it 28 off that? 31. 31. 31. Bloody hell. 31, 31 off the 19th. There was a wide in there as well, yeah. 31 from that uh, penultimate over from Chris Jordan. Uh, and then the over where we lost, what was it, Banton, Dixon, Gregory, Gregory in the same yeah. overs is really, I think Jason Kerr said we're in the game for 38 overs of the 40, and I think he's yeah. probably right. Yeah. Yeah, bang on. It was one and lost in those two overs. Although, again, it exposed the, I don't know, the, the, the lack of, of power hitting in the Somerset middle and lower order. You know, I, I was saying on commentary, if they, if they get rid of the top four, then uh, Surrey are going to win this quite quite comfortably. And again, you know, we got a good start. We were we were in control at the halfway stage, and then just fell away. Which is on paper, Gregory Green, Van der Merve, Overton, they are power hitters, but a lot no, of them, maybe uh, Green, it's not done much this year, have they? But they're not getting any runs. Yeah. You look at well, Henry and Davy, quality ten and eleven. Do you think 
that really from six or seven down, they could almost bat in any order. Palmer thinks if Roloff, Gregory and Overton keep failing, why not let Dave and Henry have a go with a bat at eight and nine? It's not that much difference from eight to 11. Just reshuffle a bit. Roloff got a go last night slightly higher than previous weeks, but did nothing. But in T20 cricket, like the game you experienced at Bristol, where you guys got, what, 230 suddenly there's so much pressure on the opposition and I felt watching last night um, some uh, Surrey probably shouldn't have got 195 they sh- probably oh, were looking at well they weren't looking at a huge score at one point in the, earlier in the innings I reckon you know Somerset should have looked and said 170 max mm. but unfortunately they got 195 which then creates immense pressure on your middle order when you lose a wicket. Um, can I just add one point as well? When we just going back to the Banton argument, uh, going back that we discussed about use him or lose him. Don't forget there were there was another chap formerly of Somerset who was pigeonholed, who didn't like being pigeonholed with the way he was used at Taunton, Jamie Overton. And he's gone to the Oval, gone away. I thought you were going to say many. You could have said Parker and more Hose. Jamie Overton's a good example for me because he wanted to develop his batting. He was disappointed where Somerset put him. He was labelled whatever he was labelled as. He was only that at Somerset. And he's gone away and he's developed himself as a genuine all-rounder, a wonderful fielder, and a sought-after commodity. But back at Somerset, he wasn't used in the right way, according to my humble opinion. You, I, I couldn't agree more, Don. I think he's a much, much better cricketer, Jamie Overton, now than when he left Somerset back in back in 2020. He's really responded well to whatever they're doing. And that that comes down to, in my book, that, gr- that great golden word of opportunity. And, mm. and again... I'm just saying the same about Banton. He needs opportunity because he is a decent cricketer. Yeah, don't forget, Jamie got 20 off nine balls. Those two sixes and lovely shot for four through the covers. I thought he looked quality with the bat. Surrey have had a problem this season. I don't know if you noticed. Surrey have had a problem in that um, they've struggled with a number four. Earlier in the season in T20, they had Tom Curran batting at four. And he isn't a number four. They almost had six number sixes or six number sevens, of which Jamie was one of them. But Jamie is better than a number seven and he's been given the opportunity. They always like him to come in with five overs left. But um, Tom Curran isn't a number four and gradually he's gone down to the extent they had to play Ben Folkes as a batsman in a T20. I think it was at Canterbury. Um, they were they were struggling. If their top order, you know, Will Jacks is a sensational cricketer. And going back to Roland van der Merwe, you said he's not the future. Uh, for me, Moen Ali isn't the future. And I would have played Will Jacks in that mm. position for me because that strengthens England's batting. And he's a learning off spinner. Will Jacks is much better as a spinner in T20 than Moriarty and even a chap that was on your books for a game, Verdi. Yeah, I jokingly said that Surrey's tail starts at three. They've got so many bowlers. <laughs> three to 11, they all bowl. Um, they go in any order. The only other one is Jamie Smith, which I, I'd have probably gone. Narine at three, Sam Curran at four, and Jamie Smith at five would look more of a top five batting-wise, but they've got so many all-rounders, they, they mix them up. Narine down at nine looks daft, but he didn't even look interested. He turned up a quarter to six, bowled awfully. I've never seen him bowl so badly in all the cricket I've watched him over the years. 55 is four overs, and whack 1-6 for the bat and dropped a catch off Abel when Abel was on naught and that was pretty well, crucial he really drop it. He, he, barely made he put his hand there didn't he it. it was a token effort yeah. it was like you know the under 11 kid who don't want to be there and he's scared of a cricket ball and training on a Friday night it was it was awful oh yeah far easier than that well, catch d- that got um, the cab ball, wasn't it? Anthony and myself were talking about the great fielders today in modern day cricket and we were struggling to find a donkey I'd forgotten about Noreen. <laughs> Somerset <laughs> took all nine catches last night. All nine wickets were yeah. catches in the outfield. Yeah. Not even yeah. close in. Not even caught behind. Or there were some tremendous catches last night, weren't they? All in the deep, yeah. yeah. Great fielding. The only one, if I'm really harsh, is the ball before Abel took one. Was it 
Um, out of mid-wicket, he maybe could have dived, but after that collision at Sussex with McAndrew and Shadab Khan, I think we'll let him off if he didn't want to smash into Lamaby. Yeah, yeah. Ben Green again, another four wickets, all caught in the Ben Green slip cordon. Mostly off full tosses. <laughs> <laughs> Disguised full tosses. <laughs> Listen, when you're lucks in, when you're lucks in as a bowler, enjoy it because you'll have plenty of drop catches or uh, great shots that the same ball goes for six instead. So while my, I'd be patting Ben Green on the back and say continue on that rich vein of form and enjoy it while it's happening. Yeah. I don't think it is luck. I think it's deception and, and skill. Obviously, <laughs> well, there's some of that as well. With all the analysis and then the pre-match preparation that they do these days, you know, the 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 analysts will be going right. Ben Green has got I don't know however many wickets it is 20, 20. 20, 20 wickets so 20. far in the Blast more than Sam Curran. How does he get people out? Well, people think they can take him on and smash him over the rope. Okay, what's happening there then? Because you can't have all these batsmen suddenly develop into terrible players when Ben Green bowls them a full toss that they would normally think they can smash over the ropes and all of a sudden for whatever reason they are smashing it down though they're not getting a hold of it and they're hitting it straight to a fielder so he must be doing yeah, he, something it changes his pace really well it's got a very well disguised slower ball and and you know he bowls cutters it, you know he does does all sorts of things and, and he's become a much much better bowler but he has had you know a fair slice of luck so so far and but there will be point, Anthony, it, it, it might look like that but is it is yeah, it but, is it skill? Well, there's there is some we skill have, in it. Should we ask the, should we ask luck, the bowler? Luck plays a big part in cricket. You know, it's there is a lot. That's of luck the voice in of experience. You can't knock that. Um, yeah. you, cricket does require a large degree of luck, yeah. um, and I hope he continues to do well. And when you talk about luck, luck and injuries, I hope he continues to have a lucky body because in yeah. cricket, I always say you need a big heart, definitely, but you need a lucky body. So, good luck to him. And uh, Somerset need his luck at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Long may it continue. And he is going to be off to the dark side by the sounds of things in the draft. I can't mm. imagine that. Who would be ahead of him in this wild card draft? Not many, I don't think. Parkinson and Lintot probably probably get signed. They were surprise emissions, weren't they, in the drafts? It's, what, it's one a team, isn't it? So what, they're eight, eight, two. It's two, two this team. year. So there's 16 players. So I can't see there being 50, you know, 16 players no. more likely to get drafted than, than Greener. So... Yeah, message if you're. We'll miss uh, our one day ca captain, won't we? We will. And uh, message to all Somerset fans if you are uh, going to a one day cup game, take your kit because you might just get a game because we seem to have lost <laughs> everybody. Are we, are we still sponsoring it? We asked. Oh, sorry. Yes, they always look on the bright side on. of life, one day cup. I do apologise. Uh, the new shirt for that went on sale in the club shop last night. It's um, got an interesting design. We'll put it that way. Um, they've forgotten to put the star mm. on it which is a little bit annoying the star is on the T20 shirt but not on the uh, <coughs> on the one day cup shirt where's it gone I'm just scrolling through my phone looking for it here it is so it is maroon black pink with one yellow sleeve and one black sleeve it's uh, I, I, yeah I mean it's kind of because the last two brought uh one day cup kits have been really nice the 2021 one especially that was beautiful but this one just looks like um, uh, how can I put it nicely you read the gump around the story of it well like, it's I, about, I know it's, those two little black style. lines look like the, the lines that go I don't even see it either side of the sponsors logo they're on there's two little black lines and they look like the little lines that go next to the stumps mm. on the whatever whatever crease it is and I know they did something similar with the one day the T twenty shirts. There was some story behind. Oh, this is the diamond pattern. Oh, you you see you had it all queued up, Dan. Sorry, I'm rambling. I'm sure you can explain it in a much more erudite fashion. No, uh, yeah. All I know is it is it's inspired by an artist, I think Mondrian, I think. Um, and uh, the reason for that yellow arm is to signify all the great left handers we've had in our history in one day cricket, which is quite funny actually because. A left-handed batter actually shows their right shoulder to the bowler. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Um, so I'm not sure they fully thought that one through. All the um, left-handers. Dan, are you yeah, sure like, you it, didn't you didn't design this? 
No, I tell you why, because it would have been a lot nicer if Dan had designed it. It would have been a lot nicer if Harry designed it. It would have been a lot nicer if Gibbo designed it. Toppers, it would have been a lot nicer if you designed it. Probably would have been a lot nicer if my little girl had designed it, to be honest. But it's <laughs> it's a bit hotchpotch. So all the great left-handers. That's a weird yeah, category. Uh, that's a weird category yeah. to honour, left-handers. You can understand it if it was... Oh, we had a, a maroon sleeve for all the great West Indians or something green for all the, the great... Pakistanis or, or something like that, but is yellow the colour of the left-hander? Flag, I think it's it's. I'm just reading it now from an extended SCCC brand palette, and it's reminiscent of the work of Mondrian and the De style movement. Yeah, the left-hand sleeve is deliberately made a striking yellow to represent some of the great left-handers who represent the club in one-day competitions, such as Brian Rose, Peter Denning, and Marcus Truscothic. Um, and yeah, and there's various bits. Chris Gale, Brian Rose. Yeah, yeah. That's just name with the left hand, as it said. Justin Langer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see if we can get 20 minutes out of what they would sub left hand. Listen, I'll be looking for it content. at my next cider festival. I'll be looking around, eagerly looking for one. Well, there were a few about last night. I mean, I'm normally a great fan of I don't like buying shirts. I like shirts with collars on rather than the. Uh, the football style the, yeah, yeah the well, the t20 style they seem to have got rid of the mm. collars in t20 for a, a long time now but probably be keeping my uh my 50 quid in my pocket for that <laughs> one yeah it's um interesting shall we say and that was one of our listeners questions it was like uh, uh, yeah blackstone photo what on earth is this please discuss and then he's kind of gone for a puke face emoji. Um, yeah, could have done better, I think. Uh, right, yeah, far into listeners' questions then. Uh, here we go. Uh, unless we've got anything more on uh, on Surrey from last night. Our net run rate hasn't been damaged too much. So. Oh, yeah, so yeah, we are uh, we are now second in, uh, in the south group of the Blast. Uh, level one points with Surrey, but a slightly... Uh, inferior net run rate 1.847 to 1.648 could be a problem though if you look at the north group someone like a Lanx could sleep, sneak through in fourth and haven't been rubbish all group stage I could see someone like Lanx going on a run and you know their they're good players will suddenly come good eventually yeah. it's be, in, the north group's interesting I think well Essex will probably go on a run now they've got, they got a game or two in hand Worcestershire they've got a game in hand as well but it's going to be interesting working out who actually goes through in the end well, it's funny that Essex... Well, Essex, need, Essex need to keep winning and they play your guys on Monday which yeah. for me is now a key game Essex play on Sunday at Middlesex I mean they've had a disaster but Somerset Surrey Hampshire and one of I, I didn't I wasn't confident about Essex one of Essex and Glamorgan I said but yeah I like Glamorgan double yeah. over Glamorgan but um, you guys are going to be safe uh, you just want a home home quarter final uh, question for you guys really do you like um, the, quite often the winner of the south or the north has gone through to the quarter finals but not gone on further do you think a rule change should happen that if you win your group you should go straight through to finals day and the others have an eliminator like in the IPL I'm in favour of that no and get more money it for costs a lot of money yeah it costs a lot of money <laughs> Quarter is the biggest money maker of the year isn't it yeah, yeah. Well, it is, but we often have them. We're not going to have them at the wrong time this year, but we've often had them in uh, late August, September, when there's dew around, and we've found it's much, the toss has been hugely important. I just oh, want yeah. to get away from that. I was fuming that the Derbyshire game was put on a Saturday night. Of all yeah. the nights to put it, when everyone's trying to play club cricket, fortunately, yeah. we we got skittled at Sidmouth, so I legged it up there and arrived just as Bunton and Smee walking out to bat, but nearly missed it greatest T20 game in Somerset history because they sat in on I just think it's reward for the team that wins your league the north or the south uh, that you shouldn't get knocked out at first go in the quarterfinals but that's my personal opinion well, I, yeah, I, but I think, that, I think money talks argument, yeah the cricketing argument is yes do, yeah. do that but then the bean counters behind the scenes will be looking at will say well hold on we've got a 50-50 chance of 
you know, a great money spinner and selling thousands and thousands of pints of cider on a on a warm summer evening. So, is there really such a? Should they really worry too much about that? Though? You're not, you know, you're only going to get a home court final every once every few years on average. Does it really matter if they occasionally lose out on that because instead they get to go straight to finals day? I don't know. I mean, I don't personally have a strong opinion either way. I think I think there are pros and cons. I think quarterfinals are fun as they are, but yeah, I think there's a there is a case for sure for rewarding the top teams um, by going having them go straight through. But I think the financial argument, I wouldn't. I don't think the counties are worried too much about it. For the, you know, just for the odd game every so often. I'm not sure Gordon Hollins would agree with you. I mean, they still could get quarterfinals, though, as we were saying. The second, third, fourth was still obviously playing some form of eliminator thing, so there still be would hope would be home matches. And that's financially penalising you for doing well. Yeah, but you get the money of going to finals day, um, as in you get oh, the a prize lot more money, money. A lot more money for quarterfinals it, it, than finals day. It does great to win the group and do so well and clearly win it, and then lose a quarterfinal. That's you know that I know that's cup cup cricket, but what's the point? Yeah, and then in winning the group, you get nothing for it. You're thinking Surrey against Yorkshire. Yeah, well, you, there are lots. There are lots of that argument. I mean, there was the situation. I think Sussex and played Wor- Worcester some years ago, and Kerry dropped Moen Alley, and they got booted out. Um, the, quite often, the side that wins that group doesn't always go to finals day. That's why Somerset started losing a couple tactically, just to Don't try and work it out. Health and uh... that's what we're doing. Yeah. Put it all under control. Moving on, there. I just want to pick this one up from uh, Jacob Lund. Surrey, uh, Surrey's conduct on the field, shushing the crowd, and Jamie Overton told a fan to come and give an opinion to his face. It was just a bit unprofessional, to be honest. Um, you were sat in Treslow, were you, Dan? Because I think that's where. Junior Overton was fielding for ways well, he was doing long on to long on, so he was would have been that. Was there anything untoward though? I didn't, I didn't see. Uh, yeah, let me just find Jacob's tweet a second. Um, so yeah, Jamie Overton did. Basically, tell a fan man, had to, you been in the um, ring of bells since lunchtime, and were you getting a bit gobby towards uh, Mr. Uh, yeah, it, it was actually me <laughs> that he was gesturing to. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, there was some drunken fans, uh, sort of the other side of, to the, not in the lower tier, but the other side of it, um, on, uh, near near where, um, no, where the you know, between going. between the lower tier and the the commentary hut, the former commentary hut. Um, there were I heard like traitor get shouted and a few things um, which weren't. Yeah, I didn't hear anything what, massively from, from the hospitality level. Just, no, no, on, on, the, on the on the ground, on the hard on the standing. Ground. Oh, yeah. that's why. Oh, right, yeah. But, oh yeah, so yeah, but yeah, they, they lean against, the against, against the fence. Yeah, yeah, where they put the covers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was some. I didn't hear anything like ridiculously unpleasant, but it wasn't particularly nice. Um, so I don't. All it was was Jamie just telling him to you know come and say it's my face or whatever, and then in, I saw him having a smile to the the twelfth man who was nearby. You know, I I don't think it was anything major to worry about I don't I don't blame Jamie particularly I think it's just Jamie's personality and as I said I think I said this on a re- the recent podcast we don't want players to be robots Jamie didn't do anything wrong so don't have a major issue with it I mean I think I said the, the, the fans that the drunk fans were I had more of an issue with really I think they just need to calm down and we don't really want players having traitor shouted at them particularly Absolutely do we right. in an unpleasant Quite manner right, yeah. yeah I didn't see that I he, he looks like he's bunked up a lot, Jamie. Last night, he isn't doing the bowling, is he? He isn't bowling so much. He's just doing a little bit of return to bowling. <laughs> I wanted to say that earlier, but didn't know how to say it politely, so I yeah. bought it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's start when you can see Craig and Jamie together on, you know, on, oh, massive on the difference. Field. Yeah, he's he's. He was in a boot last summer. To be fair, he was up at North Devon and yeah. so there a couple of games saw him and he. You know, when you're normally fit and a professional athlete, when you're suddenly stuck in a boot, I guess you can't do as much exercise. It is my humble opinion that he could become a really dynamic all-rounder, but mm. predominantly with the bat and then bowl some overs rather than the other way round. That's my honest opinion. Another all-rounder for Sarian to try and get in the England team. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> oh, Sam Curran, we should probably touch on that. The shushing was... It was a bit weird. He shushed all the first wickets. And then when he got five, oh, there was like oh, no reaction. Oh, oh, Stop press. We are talking about <laughs> Jamie Overton having a pop back. Jamie Overton 
has replied to Jacob's tweet. This is live. This is oh, it happening. Oh my God. Right. Here we go. This is oh, the no. thread then. Jacob, Surrey's conduct on the field, shushing the crowd and Jamie over to... By the way, Jamie wasn't tagged in this, so he's, he, I don't know whether he searched his name or it's just popped up on... The way, the way Twitter works. He knows how Twitter works these days. Have you got him live on this call, maybe? That's no, that man has done all ridiculous things to it. Jamie Over told a fan to come and give an opinion to his face. It was just a bit unprofessional, to be honest. Someone called Johnny Stackhouse was replied, but being jeered and ridiculed from the stands is all right. Yeah, so I don't know what Johnny is. Let's look at his bio. <coughs> uh, he's a Luton Leeds United fan, so uh, don't, that doesn't suggest any uh, cricketing ability either way. But being jeered and ridiculed from the stands is all right. Jacob has replied, to be honest, the crowd only reacted to the action and didn't provoke it. Jamie has then said, so are you suggesting that I started that? I feel for Jamie a little bit. End of story. Yes. I mean, they, they, are, they are nice guys, Craig and Jamie. I mean, it, it, yeah. it can be. I know he... It was really disappointing when he left, but he did leave for, I think we can all agree, the right reasons. It, and it has paid off for him. You know, he, is, he, he was an England player. He's had unfortunate luck with injury, uh, which means he's, you know, that particular uh, trajectory on his career hasn't quite gone the way that he wanted but um, yeah I mean he's not a traitor he's not a Judas he's just a professional cricketer who has sought that word we were looking we were talking about earlier opportunity and he's done well he's not got a blue tick on Twitter Jamie eh? that's a bit harsh oh you got to pay for him now yeah I thought he happened beforehand but oh he might I, think... I don't know might, I quite like an honest competitor like the Overton, you know what yeah, I mean? I, I think. mean, they do. I mean, obviously, Craig um, Craig uh, replied to whoever it was, uh, the Lancashire tweet the other day. Livingston, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so talking about uh, oh, some set not wanting to set a game up and all that sort of thing. Oh, do I want to. to this is going to be one of the most. To go and look at it on podcast. Uh, podcast. On Twitter, anyway. This is going to turn into one of the literally the most boring podcasts as I sit and wait. For my phone to ping with another notification, <laughs> I might just tag Craig. Say, Craig, do you want to get involved as well? This is great stuff, right? Uh, and that has unfortunately cocked up my uh, list of. I've got them if you like. Um, they want to know about the catch. Oh, Max Waller's Curry. catch and Curry, yeah. Oh, Max Waller every time. Um, John, we're going to have to leave your question for next week because it is a long one. But uh, I'll just quickly finish up with. Uh, as we moved on to Max Waller, a testimonial match we had down at South Devon on Thursday. That went really well. Uh, Matt Henry, thank you very much for giving up your time and coming down. He did a Q&A at the lunch. He didn't. Uh, that was the first time that he'd ever actually met Max was when he turned up at the lunch down in Newton Abbott. So uh, thank you, Matt, for, for coming down and giving up your time. He did a little Q&A while his uh, wife and baby were... I think she wanted to do some shopping uh, and I don't think she quite realised uh, that uh, unless she wanted to go to a charity shop or... Uh, uh, buy some cards that Newton Abbott well, yeah, coffee that Newton Abbott's <laughs> probably not the best place for doing that so I think she might have ended up going to the beach down Tynmouth but uh, yeah lovely guy lovely never met a Kiwi who's not a, a genuine bloke um, Tom Abel as well and uh, the side that they brought down after four days in the dirt at Chelmsford was, uh, was fantastic as well so thank you to all the uh, Somerset fellas that gave up their time uh, hold on a sec What's he getting here? That's probably a bit too much pause for Della. Do you see the orange flash that I brought down? I mean, Max and uh, oh. Richard Goodman, his testimonial chairman, bought uh, bought some stuff down for their talks. And talk about knowing your market. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm um, I mean, now the proud owners you probably saw on Twitter of uh, a signed T20 World Cup Netherlands shirt from the greatest player to have ever played the game, Roloff van der Merwe. Um, I probably mentioned to him about five or six times about the pavilion. Roloff, when are you going to come and open the pavilion? I don't think I was probably that bad, but. Uh... Did you ask for the shirt, or was that just given oh, as oh, a shirt? I, I paid for it. I paid for it. Yeah, oh yeah, I oh. paid for that. Oh, I, I kind of said it. they brought it down for the auction. I said, how much do you want not to put it in the auction? Uh, yeah, so. It's <laughs> me at the doghouse with the missus for a few, uh, a few days. Um, yeah, but really good to see a, a county side coming down to support. Um, uh, you know, support their local. Uh, well, obviously, support Max for his testimonial. Do that that local community outreach. Um, 
I presume all the hundred teams do that, don't they? I mean, they have they're going to have testimonials in the hundred, and all the the players are going to go to their local their local sites. <laughs> And that is the end of part one. I'm going to leave it there for now. We did go on for probably about another 45 minutes uh, with Toppers and the rest of the four of us chatting about the 100, the evil 100, the dark side, the other competition, and what we can do to improve the fortunes of English domestic cricket. Uh, I'll be uploading that a bit later on today. Uh, just off the play now for South Devon seconds against Babacom second 11 at home. Uh, hopefully I'll be returning with a few runs I know I'm about to pop that one up for you but I hope you've enjoyed listening to the first half and the second half will be uploaded with you very shortly